What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? My name's Jade, and this is the Here Is What We Know podcast, episode 22. I'm joined by the surfer, the snowboarder, and everything adventure guy, Simon Anderson. Simon, how are you going? Good evening, Jade. <laughs> it's good to be here. You know, podcaster, surfer, <laughs> snowboarder good guy all around <laughs> yeah it's me and what You're lucky sorry oh, go on and what's the latest i was gonna say oh well just uh just to come from watching some of the latest ufc there's a bit of a, a big uh card on with a few belts up for grabs made some money on the last few fights that uh, <laughs> finished up the afternoon so it's always it's always a good day when that happens what about yourself oh well you know i, I was gonna mention this very briefly the team actually went to snow planet yesterday so the whole team was together simon it was good to be with you and i understand there's some epic footage on my um gopros that i still need to send you and all round a good reason to get out of the house and thank goodness um for the stepping down of the vaccine mandates oh yeah it was good to just uh, go out and um and catch up in public and enjoy some of the 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 fun, the fun activities in the community and you know put some some money back into the local economy it was is good to yep. support local businesses without feeling like a a traitor so yeah no it was it was a great day and and um but well worth it for sure uh highly recommend team building team building's very important and uh we took we took advantage of every aspect of that and my daughter was along as well because she's a uh, aspiring uh well not really aspiring she's doing it but uh an aspiring pro surfboarder um on her journey to to becoming uh sponsored or whatever it is <laughs> yeah that's right if you're talking about uh, off stream earlier about not going back to the hood <laughs> having a daughter be a pro athlete is a good way of giving yourself a nice cushy retirement Absolutely, and actually, uh, the question of the day is very much along this theme. So, Simon, are you ready to see the question of the day? Oh, yeah, hit me. All right, mate, and this was banked from last week as we didn't come on, but today the question is... Advance to age 60 and collect $1 billion or return to age 10... With all your current knowledge and memories intact. I'll let you have a read on that one because there's a lot in there. Advance advance to age 60 and collect $1 billion or return to age 10 with all your current knowledge and memories intact. I think that's easy to, do, uh, to, to decide. Did it take you a second to think of what you'd like? Uh, yeah, no. No, it was pretty easy for me too. Yeah, yeah. For me, it would definitely be returning to age 10 with all of my memories intact. It would be heavy. Like, it would be super weird and crazy just going back to... Just thinking about all of the stuff I thought I knew about the world and then having your mind blown over and over and over again as you grow up from age 10 to where I am now just thinking about going back to age 10 and then going through all those life experiences with your friends all around you 
and like knowing that all that all that stuff's coming and you know not being able to do much about it like um what is it just be... what is that the opportunity or because you know you're age 10 you're you're pretty bodily autonomous all you need to do is convince people of the hell that's coming up now see the thing is if you t- if you're thinking about it too realistically you've you've got to do nothing that will suspect people to make them think you are a crazy lunatic right like that would be very easy for them to just <laughs> start thinking you're like crazy just saying all the stuff's going to happen and then they lock you up so <laughs> you've got to i feel like you've got to you've got to you've got to kind of be quite subtle with your influence if you're going back in time but you would definitely you know make some smart stock investments and and things like that to improve your life situation but but what i say when i mean things are coming like not specific incidences but just knowing that you know somebody in your friend circle um you know might pass away from a car accident or 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 take their own life and you know when you're growing up you just don't really think that those kind of things are going to happen to you until they do and so you know it would just be really different and weird going through all of those big life moments with some sort of you know feeling that knowing that that's you know those are all possible realities you know or things to happen so not like actual specific events and trying to you know like butterfly effect go back and change the outcome but just more general it would be weird living from 10 again just with like because of all of those life experiences that we've already had yeah i i really view this differently to you i would not be able to live with myself knowing that certain aspects were going to happen like i've obviously had uh friends pass away and some of those instances being completely avoidable so Mm. i would be obsessed with getting involved or in the way of whatever instance that was and yeah i did go to where your mind went about your family and friends wanting to have you committed because you're mm. you're talking about this whole thing and I was just thinking, you know, nine eleven, you know, the London bombings. Um, I would just be like, you know, growing up knowing, okay, okay, September eleven, two thousand one, gotta write that one down, you you know, and, <laughs> and just I, I I would not be able to leave it alone, but who would you call? Like, imagine that, a 10-year-old, and you've actually got to wait until it arrived. Like, I was in high school in 2001, so you'd have to wait, write it down. Who do you, who do you call? What do you do? I'm not sure, but just on 9-11, I saw an interesting video clip the other day. It was from this documentary, and it's basically this, um, it's like this African-American guy, and he's talking about... He, re- he wakes up in the middle of the night and he receives a phone call from his wife and um, she says she's on the plane and they've and it's been um, hijacked and she said they're talking about flying it into the towers and all this stuff she's like if I don't see you I love you and all this stuff and then um, and then uh, she he goes oh and then the phone hangs up and then I look at the number that it's come from and it was a mobile phone number and he said you know like his wife apparently called him from a mobile phone while on the plane and they don't work so that's yeah. like weird yeah so how did that happen yep well speaking of conspiracies which we love a lot here on the 
here is what we know podcast you, you know we could spend all day on that one but yeah I think I definitely uh, choose the 10 year old option but is there any part of you that would consider the the one billion dollar option? I mean, that's a pretty sweet, you know, last couple um, of decades. If you if, let's be real, you know, if you if you do it wisely, you probably could get a couple decades out of it, and you know, that's comfy living. It'd be nice, but you just surely when it got close to the deathbed, you just kind of think, oh, well, <laughs> wasted it. it. <laughs> It wasn't a true to real life, was it? That you know, to to to. I don't know. Neither of them are truly, you know, like properly earned gains. But at least if you go back um, in time with your knowledge now, you've still got to make the most of it. Whereas you know, if you're going fast forward to sixteen, you just get given a billion dollars. You know, I don't think I could, you know, live comfortably at the end of my life knowing that that's what I chose. Of course, there are sort of fish hooks with every butterfly effect, because mm. going back to ten years old doesn't mean you'd survive as long no. as, as you would have in the main timeline. There's something that could happen to you, of course. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially with the amount of you know, like conspiracy knowledge that I have, I'm sure that if I started <laughs> making a bit of noises about some of the things that, that um happened between ten, my ten year, ten, me being 10 years old and now. Um, <laughs> those used to be some certain organizations that would be pretty interested in. And, um, yeah, I mean, keeping quiet. But that was the question of the day. And if you are watching this either live on Twitch or DLive or um, on demand via YouTube, we'd love to hear your perspective and from time travel to Will Smith we go, Simon. Yeah, we didn't, um, like we were talking about, we didn't actually cover this, uh, the first incident last week, but this is the updated um, installment of the Will Smith drama, and this is a video that's come from his wife's Instagram, I believe. And if you can read the caption in front of us, it says, Free this man, this man is afraid. And well, it just kind of sums up nicely the, the, the overall feeling you get from this video. But I mean, if you, you don't have to be a, um, a biologist to tell who's a man and a woman, you don't need to be a psychologist to tell that this man is unhappy at the very least when you watch this video. So uh, whenever you're ready, Jay, just go ahead and play this. We can no watch it maybe worries. Twice. Cool. So, Will. You know Esther Perel is coming to the table. She's going to be at the red table. Would you say she has been instrumental in you and I redefining our relationship? I would say don't just start filming me without asking me oh my goodness. if you could film Astaire, me. Esther, come help us again, please. I'm still dealing with foolishness. Don't. No, no, she, yeah, because she, don't just. Would you say that she helped us heal the hurts that we caused between one another? My social media presence is my bread and butter, okay? So you can't just use me for social media and not, you know, don't just start rolling. I'm standing in my house. Don't just start rolling. Don't Please just... watch a stare at the red table because she's helped us a lot. Can't you tell? So, Will, you know. 
I mean, just after the one pass through, it's just so cringy. I mean. <laughs> oh, do you want me to run that again? Is that no, what... no, 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 no. That's fine. I think that's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was plenty. I don't know if I can watch it again. It just, it's so uncomfortable. I mean, either it's, it's, he's a great, an actor and all it is is just to get our attention. All this video is like quite um insightful with the way their dynamic is and that um this man's completely like twisted and broken and manipulated by this woman into feeling these weird emotions for her i mean seems like she's capitalizing on maybe his genuine love for her when he she doesn't feel the same for him and like the the way she talks to him through social media you know like belittling him while she has this conversation with him what because it's having through the context of her posting it straight on social media afterwards you know like like imagine imagine trying to weasel your partner through a, a real intimate conversation because you're you're filming them with the intent of posting on social media so you're you're talking to them you know like through third person through addressing the audience trying to paint this person into a bad guy and forcing them into a corner and like and making them be the the um the aggressor when you started it and it's just it's so weird and sick and wrong and not any sort of um example relationship you know she's got a a tv show or whatever where she's got this table talk how <laughs> how, how can she be giving any sort of advice um yeah, you know, I, about, I got a... anything after the, this this being the way their marriage works. Yeah, I gotta um I gotta jump in. You mentioned their online show and I understand that on one of the episodes um it was Jada that admitted that her mother was teaching grandmother. her Isn't it? Yeah, it was it was a grandmother, yeah. Was te explaining to willow how to masturbate oh, hmm. how to masturbate um so that she could understand that pleasure does not actually come from a man yeah and just I, teaching a child how to touch themselves and i'm just like and this was when willow was nine years old you, you know she hmm. had to whip your hair back and forth we all remember that song she would have been around nine then and I just think, there is no reality, there is no planetary universe where I want anyone speaking to my daughter about masturbation until, like, you're not even in puberty when you're nine, so I don't, I don't even, like, understand. Like, well, you're in the range of, like, some puberty process just to to begin right like some kids could potentially start developing signs of puberty at that age but are you any sort of mature in your development no, no. not at all there, there is no universe where I will accept anybody talking about that around my daughter and the reason for that is she she's not gonna have to deal with that her, her her parents aren't that messed up where, where she'd be in a situation with a boy 
trying to trying to introduce any of it. It's not going to happen. We we just we just don't allow it. The the innocence of children is really important to protect, and I want my daughter to have those questions on her own. Oh, these things are happening to my body. What what's all that about? And when she starts saying that, that's natural and appropriate. And then you can introduce the conversation. You don't. And then the conversation to have, sorry, is then the conversation to have is pleasure isn't a pursuit in its own, and there are healthier ways of, um, you know, living. It's not like it's going to kill you or whatever, but it's not like um, you know something that liberals think that get it wrong or the lefties get it wrong they said you know they, they're trying to encourage it for people for these kids to have healthy um mm. you know behaviors or whatever you don't need to encourage it it, it, it just let it be it's, it's like it's yeah it's wrong and, and the whole thing about like i know this is a little bit off topic but on the same vein you know introducing the concept of um, alternative sexuality that won't be happening with my daughter either you, you know I, I want her to I want her to think about love as something you you do um, to and, and with people that care about you first and foremost and helping helping to identify that but also you, you know I, I don't want to get into a conversation about what multi-dimensional sexuality with a child it's just never gonna happen never gonna happen you don't need to complicate this conversation like that by trying to help your kids remove people from their um you know relationship pool uh based on their um based on their affinity to to to, to you know gender or sex or whatever you want to call it you know it's just you don't need to help kids well, it's not. They say that they they they're helping kids, but you're manipulating kids into restricting their relationship options. Mm. So I want to come now to the keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth situation that happened. Um, what was it? Is it the Grammys? I don't even pretend to know what show that was. Uh, well, it was the Oscars or something. Oscars. The Grammys, is the, music, the Grammys is the music one. He Black Oscars. My apologies. So, I, I have a few ideas about why that went down. It had nothing to do with Chris Rock. Though, I sent you a comparative uh, video last week where we had a look at when um, Jada boycotted... Um, the the Oscars right, and he made he made a sticker about that, and then he made a sticker again for being bald. I thought it was so super light and mundane. It wasn't even within the same frame of what comedians normally do. My theory on where this is all coming from, Simon. Will Smith never got past. The love that Jada had for Tupac. <laughs> Forevermore, he felt so second best and less than compared to the most famous rapper of all time. 
and he also obsesses over the fact that Tupac never actually had sex with Jada because they were too young but he imagines that if he wasn't in the picture it would have happened yeah and um what was I going to say I mean it's clear that Jada is is with Will to keep herself relevant right like she 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 doesn't have any sort of place in the Hollywood um, picture without him. Um, what about the whole Matrix thing? Well, that's what well, that. I mean, and that, that's also not, that's, Madagascar, well, Madagascar. Yeah, <laughs> oh, couple of bits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. Compared to his, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And and who's to say? Who's to say she only got those roles maybe because she's the partner of him? You know, maybe mm. maybe she wouldn't have gotten those voice roles. She, I mean, she she wasn't the hugest um, person on her own right without Tupac, right? Nah, she was just hanging around, and he he they were like teenagers. Where like he was coming up during that whole phase. And she was his girlfriend, and they had a thing, and then, you know, his work got too much. They were spending less time together. Will came on the scene, he was doing the Fresh Prince, and they just went from there. And um, Will just had this resentment because he, he believes in his heart. I've seen various clips online that she does not love love him to the same extent that she loved Tupac even without the sex so mm. and it's like it's not just the whole Tupac thing it's then the whole fact that she um, got this weird obsession with um, her son's friend and then had a relationship with him as well you know like that is pretty weird and that's got to be pretty damaging like you just can't imagine the the friend of one of your kids taking your wife from you you know and just what that would do to, to the family dynamic around the dinner table you know like, uh, uh, the fact that he is still trying to keep that family unit together is just quite sad to be honest i mean it feels like she has manipulated the whole situation to get what she wanted and he feels i think a bit helpless definitely looks it in that video and I think it was Jada that called for the open relationship status it always is right like Mm. I don't know many dudes that are doing that and it's like what what else was I going to say around this so Will had a son to another relationship and I think when that relationship fell out he was like I gotta make it work with Jada and he's been very one track minded almost to the point of sacrificing himself and making it work and I think you've just spoken to this but I'll say it differently Jada is taking full advantage of his like internal messaging focusing on keeping the relationship together She's like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're a bit, what, whatever happens here, 
you're going to make it work. So I'm going to be an absolute bitch. <laughs> yeah. Just take him for a ride, basically. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie, man. I've seen relationships like that. It doesn't just... It doesn't just happen with famous people. I know what it's all about, but to see that happening to one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, I mean, Bad Boys, you, you know, all the other movies that, that Will's been involved with, Men in Black, like, he made Men in Black. Men in Black would not have been the same uh, without Will Smith, so... Exactly. You know, um, Wild Wild West... One of my yeah. favorite movies of all time. <laughs> ah, I just feel so bad for the guy. Um, the psychology too, the the brokenness, the confusion that you would have to feel to run up on state on a stage that's being viewed live by millions and just punch a guy that has nothing to do with you, like. Chris Rock had no beef with Will, you know. They're both in the entertainment business. It's Chris's job to roast people. <laughs> that's his whole job, and that's what he was paid to be there for. And for him to run up like that, the confusion, the brokenness, the the um, absolute lack of awareness of himself was so apparent, do you think, Simon? Yeah, it just, it just, it just was so obviously not a well thought out action. <laughs> it was just so primal and so emotive, and you could just see as soon as, as soon as Chris spoke afterwards, saying, you know, Will Smith just slapped me, and he just, you could tell he was just panicking, trying to get control of the situation, and just lashed out and just said, "Keep my wife's name <laughs> out your fucking mouth." You know, and he's like, his lips are basically trembling as he's saying it. He's just so nervous and scared. Mm. And like, that was like an awkward pause. Like, like how many people have seen that awkward pause in the workplace for way, way more mundane things? Like, and that was an awkward pause in front of billions of people. Like, like, my heart goes out to, um... Chris Rock, and he'll, he'll be evaluating doing anything where the Smiths are involved, I'm sure. Yeah, well, um, you, you, you see it in the clip. He holds back, you know. There's a, there's a second where he thinks about it. You know, he goes, oh, I could, and then he goes, oh, no. Nah. And you know, <laughs> he, for a second, he does think about saying some really hard-out shit afterwards or saying some stuff to hurt them back. So, I mean... He, 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 he definitely could have made it worse and nobody really talks about that much I haven't seen too mm. many people saying, saying that so Simon, I wish I wish he'd said something so Simon before we go to the next uh, story what are some key takeaways what would you what would you like to leave people with in terms of this uh, watch out for like opportunistic sick people in your life that are trying to latch onto you and manipulate you like Jada stay away from them do you think Will's redeemable do you think he can make a comeback from this one I don't know it will it would, I mean he needs to stop getting humiliated online by his wife like, <laughs> around the table like talking about how weird their family is and how 
weird their relationship is. I mean, he needs to just get away from all of that. And I think that's the only way he gets, you know, a positive out of this. Oh, I was going to say, wasn't there an episode where they were, like, live too? And she did in the face, not in so many words, but explains to Will information he's never heard before that she cheated on them and they're live while she's doing it i can't i can't verify that i'm not sure but it sounds something like that yeah and i think i saw a um clip of it where his eyes are watering like he's wanting <laughs> he's wanting to be emotional about the information he's sharing but you know, you know a decent person would not react live how you would react in a personal setting. That that was the will that did it properly that day. He did not do it properly on Oscar's day. <sighs> but I would never allow a woman to humiliate me like that. I might I might be completely reserved on a live show. Uh, but you bet your bottom dollar I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna deal with it afterwards. There's mm. there's no way. Absolutely no way. Not a chance, no. So, not... Not the sexiest uh, transition, actually. We're gonna go from the entertainment world... Uh... Back to back to the realm of New Zealand politics, and I'm I'm gonna like not go too heavy into this. I, I really want this to be a platform for discussion. Um, but the newsroom um, sets out that cabinet here in New Zealand is preparing to make decisions about a platform for Māori co-governance of New Zealand. Now, our mate, um, I forgot his name again, David Seymour, David Seymour, he is not a happy camper about all this. He says we need to have a referendum. Um, in order to get a referendum, you need to you, you need to have the votes in the house to bring it about. Christopher Luxon has said, "Nah, we should probably have a look at this." And Jacinda Ardern just said, "Yeah, nah, we're not gonna spend those millions. We're just gonna go out and do it." Um, but basically, uh, let me go to the story here. There was a report um, commissioned by the previous government, actually called the Hey Pua Pua Report. And um, I understand that Hey Pua Pua means to break something. And, and the choice of that name is poignant because there, is, there were a select group of the Māori community that do seem to break, uh, seek to break the system as we know it because it's quite uh, discriminatory and restrictive of Māori. And one of the recommendations 
that has been picked up is, is the idea of Māori commissioning their own services. And this is taking shape in the first instance anyway, even without this co-governance agreement, it's taking shape in the in the shape of the Māori Health Authority. And I just wanted to get your opinion, Simon, on co-governance. Is it a bad thing? Is it leftism gone mad? What should we be thinking about in terms of this? Do you have any, I mean, do you have any views? So, I mean, the, the whole co-governance argument is based on the argument that Māori were the indigenous people of New Zealand that built up a civilization and then had that taken from them or to had the chance to develop further into the modern world and taken from them by the acts of the um, different nations that came here mainly the English and the French um, that that changed the Maori way of life into the colonized way of life into the New Zealand country that we have now and so the Waitangi Tribunal and basically um, the Treaty of Waitangi basically allows for the co-governance and for Māori to set their own rules and services up and, and to, to look after their own people. And now I don't think that's a possibility in the way that we live now we, when we are such a globally connected world. I think I think Māori could definitely be in charge of co-governance in terms of designing services for themselves, but if they then open them up for access to everybody, I think that would be fine. You know, like, I think people, I think Māori should definitely be designing things that say, hey, this works for us and our culture and this is the best way to treat us. But um, if it works for you also, but you aren't Māori, you don't get, um, you don't get denied from it. Oh, so you don't necessarily support prioritisation of, Māori services for Māori. Well, I mean, the thing is, is I'm a, I guess I'm a bit of a benefactor from it, uh, that I got into university through a Māori admission scheme because my credits were just slightly below what was necessary. Um, so I guess I, in some respect, I do owe um, some of my privileges because of that. So, I mean, I can see where they're effective. Um, but uh, I mean that that's a pretty micro level example of the sort of macro level co-governance that's being suggested um, you know, uh, in, in what this article is talking about I, I don't really a, have a firm I don't really have a firm position either way to be fair I got a quote here from um I got a quote here from the article. This is something that David Seymour said. I'd much rather be talking about how houses get built, paying down debt, and how people, how to give people the opportunity to make their lives and careers better. But because this government insists on co-governance on everything, we have to talk about that instead. So just a just a posing of whether 
this is the right issue for right now and I suppose you know Simon you have spoken about the the immense levels of debt we currently have I, I don't think it's widely known by a lot of New Zealanders exactly how much debt we have uh, north of 60 billion dollars I'm told Yeah, we were sitting pretty at the start of the pandemic in terms of our debt to GDP ratio, but I think we at least doubled it uh, before we entered 2022. Yeah, so so you don't have strong views either way. Can, can you, do you have a sense of what a mess this is going to be as the cabinet advice rolls out? I see, I mean... <laughs> the the pretty the pretty common rollout is that um you know significant change is kind of slowed down along the way and so it's ineffective and falls short of any sort of transformation and so then it doesn't do anything to change the way things work and then the the critics of this model will then use it as a um, evidence of it being worthless excuse me mm. So, I mean, yeah, that's how I see it going out, that it'll be, you know, minuscule, gradual change, and we'll get kind of bullied out of um, being completed or being permanent. The Māori Development Minister, Willie Jackson, um, has been in charge of this piece of work and to ensure that there has been wide consultation on what Māori co-governance would mean. Um, 70 hui or meetings um, for the people that aren't from New Zealand have been led out and Willie Jackson says this. You're going to get some extreme views. I won't go into detail but I'm sure we'll get extreme views when we go to to the broader country as well. So there there is a potential risk here, Simon, that people might be seeking separatism. Like you guys, you guys do that over there. We we want Māori for Māori everything. I mean, it would be interesting if that was the case, you know. I, I think it would go bad pretty quickly <laughs> if it if it was actually what went down. But you know, there is a lot of appetite out there for that sort of very separate delineation between the indigenous Maori population and everybody else. Whether that's the right take or not, I don't know. And then, yeah, you know, alongside all this. Yeah, you know, I've always been aware as every person that has grown up in New Zealand has been. You know, there's a very contentious issue about the land, and whether whether the land owned by Europeans in this country is legitimate. So, do you think that while this is a seemingly unrelated issue, we're gonna start to have uh, land compensation conversations again, Simon, or are you confident that the treaty tribunal has covered off a lot of that? 
Well, I mean, one, uh, this, the majority of the tribes have all had their settlements through the court, so it's definitely done its service. There's just a few more left holding out. And so and, uh, there's a very real possibility that, that there is some event that overrides the courts and there goes a whole new process of returning assets and land and things to Maori tribes. So, I mean, you never really know when it's ending, but if they don't do anything after the courts, then on the overall, it's been a pretty good process <laughs> compared to other countries, you know, and other situations of indigenous people having a, its own court set up to, mm. to get access to resources has been pretty pretty good i i mean when i think about this story i'm I'm kind of what i haven't said is what is my view on it so i'm actually really open to the idea of uh, maori co-governance and i hope that the scope of maori governing this country actually grows and and i speak as a non-maori myself i'm a i'm a cook island maori and i'm really it's really nice that that's the official uh, term that was used, but as many people told me, um, my people got off the boat a bit sooner than the actual Māori. So there you go. Um, and and I just I just welcome I welcome the idea. I think it's I think it's right. I think New Zealand has led in a lot of areas on indigenous issues. You only have to look over the ditch, Simon, about... Uh, um, and I only know very anecdotal things, but um, the information I do have tells me that the uh, Aboriginal are pretty hard done by, actually. Oh, yeah, I mean, they've, got, they've, had, a, they've <laughs> had a pretty rough go at it, and they still get it pretty bad, you know, some of the sort of, sort of Aboriginal... Um, ghettos, they get you know some pretty rough treatment by the police, especially during during lockdown. Some of these places got kind of put on lockdowns for weeks and no access to services and yeah, you know, some real rough stuff like that. But yeah, um, no. That just going back to the story. Um, I think I think the Maori way of life and the Maori culture is a lot more. Um, aligned to or more harmonious to the way um you should live on earth right as a human being as as a general way of all humans the way we should live on earth the maori culture is probably a lot more harmonious than the way we live now and so if we can have any sort of co-governance that leads leads us as a population in a society to live in those sort of um models you know some you know the cyclical calendar based around the the moon and the changing seasons and 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 adapting the way we approach the world and and how we look after the natural environments and resources around us and the way we talk to people and the standards we keep in as a society i mean if that comes from co-governance great but if it comes if it becomes a way for a group to secure space and places for themselves at the expense of everybody else then that's not what I'm for in the name of co-governance. Mm, yeah. So, so where I where I go with this as well, and and the article doesn't cover this at all, but you 
you have brought to this show a couple of conversations about uh, protection of land and resources. There was that whole uh, golfing expose that you did for us mm-hmm. and, and how land has been developed like that. Uh, it is my hope that through this process we can get some solid rules around um, resources and I'm talking about natural resources. I, I think the fact that we completely turned a blind eye to corporations dumping a pipe in natural springs and just getting it for free, that that's wrong to me. Um, and you know, I'm not I'm not a greenie so to speak, but I think that we really do need to consider as a as a physically small nation, we need to consider what our development projects do to the environment because if you if you develop in the right way you can actually win both ways if you develop in a asshole way then you then you might actually remove an entire species of bird simon <laughs> exactly and put their their outline on your logo <laughs> that was insane. It's like, so so I hope that um, I know the article doesn't speak to this but but my hope is that through the process of thinking about co-governance we can actually um, give some sovereignty back to the Māori in terms of thinking about that because I'm piggybacking off what you just said there are lots of things about the Māori way of life that uh, nations all over the world could benefit from and I, and I really want to see some of that much more realised because what I haven't said on the show which I was dying to about this is it is quite possible to grow up in New Zealand not knowing anything about the Māori way of life and I, and I think that's really wrong we used to have compulsory um, Māori language education I, I was part of a generation where it was compulsory you had to one of your modules for the year had to be Māori language and we did sort of like traditional dances and we learned about poverty and the, the importance of it you don't have to do that now it's been removed from the curriculum mm. and so you get groups of society and group you know a whole age groups ignorant to those beliefs and then they react poorly when they see it in real life like oh no this is uncomfortable or you know <laughs> you know you know i saw it a lot when i was growing up you know being maori you were like we have a term in new zealand and i'm not I'm not using this term in a derogatory way. I'm using I'm using it in an explorative way. But we have a term, hoary. It just means like poor and and unsophisticated and unorganized. And uh, and a lot of people in New Zealand associate Māori with that term. Hmm. Like even if they are a sophisticated. Māori family with strong education because you're Māori you're hoary and um, it's really bad we still have that Simon yeah I mean there's plenty of there's plenty of um, poor 
perception of um, Maori people still in New Zealand. It's not hard to find it. And I I had a thought process, but I was like, no, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill that because I always say I always say on the show, you know, I don't wanna perpetuate tropes, but that is one a rare one that is actually real. People people work hard to keep the Māori down, to eliminate their language, their culture, their art forms, their creations. Like, like I've looked into this. Like, not most New Zealanders have, and it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. Systemic racism, I don't like talking about it. For large part, it's not really real, but I think that Māori have a case. Yeah, I mean, they, they well, they did make a case, right? Like, I don't understand what happened to create the Waitangi Tribunal and that whole court setup, but it's clear they've, that Māori have made a case that there was some skullduggery mm. that went on. And, you know, I've, I've been told stories and I've researched it and it's been part of my education of, you know, the really messed up ways that they um either stole or forced uh maori to give up their land uh, and, and you know and basically just the way that maori lost more and more of their access to this country and then you know lost that that access to the opportunities that that provided them just the, as the world was kind of becoming connected to each other the thing the thing that's so apparent to me, I know we're kind of dragging this out a bit, but it actually interests me like you wouldn't believe. The thing that would have, I'm guessing this, I'm not a historian, but the thing that would have caught the Māori out in the first instance is these people coming onto their land saying they want it. The Māori would have said, oh, you want to be here? Like the concept, yeah. the concept yeah. of ownership didn't exist. So, oh, okay, so you guys want to be here. Ah, uh, hi there, we're, we're Nazi Pro, you know, welcome. This is our land, and you, you can put your heart up right here, and we'll bring you some food. Because the Māori are about making it work, sharing, being in balance with nature. They wouldn't have thought, oh, these people want the land. Mm. <coughs> Just completely... Complete, completely foreign concept to them. Yeah, so that would have kicked it off, but that's not to say I don't immensely celebrate that attitude of just sharing and being in balance with nature. I just, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when the first European settlers came on, and just the total misunderstanding and confusion of what's actually going down. And the thing that makes me super sus about the treaty in the first place is, okay, there was a translation. Hold on a second. Who the heck did that? <laughs> exactly. Well, was it Hobson? I think it might have been Hobson that translated it, right? With somebody else's help. But, yeah, I mean, they 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 translated it into Māori uh, or, or, and then... They'd kind of like translated it both ways, but they definitely didn't have a lined up um, translation at all. And that's been, you know, the biggest contention so far is the fact that 
the English and Maori versions don't don't align at all. But anyway, you know, Will Will Smith and an absolute better male and Maori are going for co-governance, which is really cool. We're we're probably at the end of the show now, so Simon, I appreciate you as always, and um, definitely a different take on the whole Will Smith thing that then I've thought about so thank you for bringing the goal any final thoughts before we leave off today no well um we didn't really touch on anything massive going on in the world like the uh, Ukraine Russia situation but I mean that that seems to be quieting down a little bit I mean they're still saying that there's been these attacks and and, and that happening but uh, it's just quite hard to get a real sense of the picture so I guess for us it's just um, keep an eye, keep an eye out on what's coming from the the news sources, and and always be wary. Um, yeah, and uh, thank gosh that the restrictions are lifting here in New Zealand. And um, I, uh, the cynic in me is not gonna is gonna say it's probably not long lived, but uh, we'll enjoy it for what it is. And well, let, let's let's enjoy what's coming. I guess in terms of. The, the next wave of who knows what it might be restrictions might be COVID might be uh, cyber warfare might be aliens who knows but uh, it seems like COVID's on the way out let me let me stay with that for one second so it's not over until the health order is uh, repealed though the that's health, right that's right the health order gives the government a lot of scope to make decisions on the fly uh, with 24 hours notice as we've started to see in New Zealand so not a big fan celebrating the freedom that we have at the moment I was able to get a haircut so uh, all is well in that area good. and in terms of the Ukraine thing I will say this um, my daughter's school did this whole like we love you Ukraine um, sort of video and they did it with a drone they put the drone above the kids and they made the Ukrainian flag and I was just thinking you know clearly the principal has no idea about actual geopolitics and and I'm just really I'm just really uncomfortable I like one thing that I was thinking is where was the we love you Afghanistan children you know where where was the we love Afghanistan and all those children that are getting bombed to shit uh, by the United States there was no we love Afghanistan video we love you Yemen none of that nothing no it's just why this one why is this the, <laughs> why is this the one conflict the thing that people are now focusing on because America know. wants us to and we're part of the Five Eyes Network. That's what it is. Exactly. We yeah. we, we don't we don't need to appreciate the atrocities that the Ukraine have done on the human race to the Russian people or even their own Ukrainian people. Let let's let's not even delve into the fact that the Ukrainian president is actually an actor. <laughs> A comedian. Is what you know, not a serious actor, he's a comedian. 
So, yeah, I, th I think for me, in terms of final thoughts, you, you know, um, Simon, I, I've been a really big proponent of returning the concept of manhood. You, you know, you'll often, you'll often hear me evaluate things in terms of alpha or beta. I do, I do that very intentionally. I think the the male population not just in New Zealand but around the world has been slowly coaxed into a beta mindset and yeah. I, and I work really hard uh, to pull people out of that especially people that are close to me my friends and my team you know you know and I just want to see more people reclaim their manhood it doesn't mean you you go around beating your chest and all this weird stuff Be, being a man is about certainty of self and it's about seeking peace and love for everyone it's it's not this big macho thing when i when i talk about alpha or beta i'm not talking about being macho that there's a completely different thing. Macho is insecurity. Macho is a personality problem. Being being alpha is being someone that people can rely on. Um, that that when, when there's times of crisis or confusion, it's the alphas that, that are there to take the reins and take charge. Well said. Yeah. So, so, so maybe we'll, we'll put a pin in that and just say uh, thank you uh, for being a part of this community. Remember, um, if you type exclamation mark social in the Twitch chat, you'll find all my links on social media. Or you can go to jadefarrow.com forward slash links. Uh, we're also looking to add some editors to my team video editors that is so if you're interested in that uh please email us at kyota at epicstudios.co.nz we'd love to hear from you and for now thank you for being a part of the channel thank you for being a part of the journey please stay awesome and simon and we'll see you all in the next one Bing.